Amen and amen. Man, wasn't that beautiful? I don't encourage you to not to sing, but if we could just do that like one at a time, it would be great. Because if you're not singing and you hear that, I'm telling you, it's a blessing. So, you know, I just want to thank you in advance just for all that you do and all that you've done and all that you're going to do. But man, that is a powerful song. Thank you so much for lifting your voice to our Lord. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I am so blessed. That's hard to follow stuff like that. No comment? Okay, whatever. <laughs> okay, I'm, tr- I'm trying to be nice. Thank you very much. In 1773, a young pastor of a poor church in Wensgate, England, was called to a large influential church in London at the time to preach. His name was John Fawcett. They say he was a powerful minister of the gospel, a great writer and all those things, and with those skills brought him the opportunity to move to London in this large church. As the wagons were being loaded, it said of the story of him and his wife, as the wagons were being loaded by a few belongings that they had to head out, the congregation showed up with tearful eyes to say their farewells. During the goodbyes, Mary Fawcett, his wife, simply said to John, John, I can't stand. I cannot bear to leave. And he simply said, nor can I. Nor can I. During this time, what they did then is they unloaded the wagons. He didn't take the job. He said, we must stay with our family. And for some 54 years, we're told that he stayed in the ministry with his home congregation in Wensgate. Out of that experience, Fawcett, wrote the beautiful hymn that we know as, Blessed Be the Tie That Binds. The first verse goes something like this, Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. The fellowship of kindred minds is like to that above. Fellowship. Ah, what a beautiful thing. What a beautiful thing God has blessed us with is fellowship with each other and with Him. Another story. Jackie Robinson. You know, the World Series is just about to get started, the playoffs and all the things if you're a baseball fan and all of that. But anyway, Jackie Robinson was the first black person to play Major League Baseball, if you know any of the history there, breaking the baseball color barrier at the time. He faced jeers from the crowds everywhere he went, made fun of. The players would stomp on his feet when he would stand on the base, kick dirt at him, make fun of him, call him all kinds of names. While playing one day in the home stadium in in, uh, Brooklyn, he made an error. He felt bad about the errors, the great baseball players do. The fans began to ridicule, hollering many terrible things at this great player, by the way. He stood on second base with his head down, completely humiliated, he said, as the fans just jeered him. Then shortstop Pee Wee Reese came over and he stood next to him, put his arm around him, and they faced the crowd together. And the fans grew quiet until it was complete silence in the entire stadium. Robinson later wrote these words. He said, that arm around my shoulder that day saved my life. Fellowship. 
You see, the truth is we are healthier because of fellowship and friendships that we have with each other. When someone just simply puts their arm around us, makes a difference, doesn't it? Do you need that today? Where you're at in your life, wherever it is in your life, only you know right now what your priority is, what your hurt is, what your pain is, what your confusion is, what your doubts are. Are you the one needing that hug or that arm around the shoulder today? Have you looked for someone to put an arm around today? Mother Teresa said it this way. She said, loneliness and feeling of being uncared for and unwanted are the greatest poverties in this world. I believe that if we want to develop healthier relationships as a church family, and we should, we must continue to build those friendships and those fellowships together on our journey together. A picture of the past brings a flood of great memories. You can look at the picture perhaps of your children when they were just little and, and the joy or the wedding pictures or anniversaries or birthdays and all the others that might bring great memories to mind. A kind remark, a pat on the back, a smile on a Sunday morning can change people's lives and hearts for the day. Or a hug. I'm a hugger by nature. If you know me. You know, that's true. I just hug. I like hugs. And the reason why I like hug, to give hugs is because every time I hug, I get a hug back. And it feels good. Some aren't huggers, but surely you can smile. Surely you can shake a hand. Surely you can come alongside someone and say, thank you for being here. Surely you can look at them and say, man, I'm glad you're here today. We can all do that, can we not? Christ came so, and gave his life for us so that we, you and I, could have fellowship with the Father. First, to have a fellowship with the Father, to think about that. Some people stand at a distance from God, and yet God says, I gave my son so you didn't have to. You don't have to stand at a distance. You can stand with fellowship with me. And the more time you spend with God, the more you know God. The more you know God, the more you love God. The more you love God, the more you'll do what God has called you to do out of love and gratitude. Not out of a dictating God. But fellowship is important. And the way we display that fellowship to the world is through how we fellowship with one another. For Scripture does say, by this all men shall know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. To fellowship with someone means that you're drawing closer to, closer with in that process. I think of our church family here and the ones who don't have family nearby. Some of you have family in other places. When we first moved here, our closest family and my brother in Wichita Falls, but all our family is back in, 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 in Kentucky. And yet God set us here with all of you and you became family. Those that have gone through the years have come through here through military. Military's brought you here. And some, on many occasions throughout their, their, their time, their stint in the military, on different occasions, we've welcomed them back and they become family. It's almost that we've adopted them in, and that's what we should. You know, some are only going to be here for a short period of time, two, three, four years or whatever, but we say, we're going to adopt you. You need a grandma. You need a grandpa that's close by. You need a mommy or daddy just to love up on you. They need that. We need that. 
when Donna and I were in, well, I was in the military, and we were living in Colorado Springs, stationed at Fort Carson back in the 80s, and, you know, we didn't have much. We had two small children, and I was, uh, you know, just a, uh, a specialist at the time or whatever. They call it specialist, but I never did figure out what that meant for me. But anyway, um, we were there, and I was ready to get out of the military. I was ready to check out. It was about three months before I could get out, and my, uh, we sent them back to Kentucky and do all that stuff there, and um, so I was living in the barracks. I, I recall that the church that we were going to was a powerful church, and in fact, Larry Palmer, the preacher at the time, was one of the inspirations in my life. God put several ministers in my life when I was growing up that really geared me into preaching. I had no clue, but when I look back on it, it was right people at the right time that shaped my life. It was beautiful. But anyway... In that, one night, it was, it was late, it was late, we were, I was at the apartment cleaning up, you know, you have to clean everything up before you give the keys back and all that stuff, and it was real late, but it was the winter time. I think it was actually in December, late December. Well, if you've ever been in Colorado Springs in late December, it gets pretty cold. In fact, it got so cold that when I left there, and I had all the rest of the stuff in the back of the car, uh, my car, the, the, the gas lines just froze up. Right in the middle of the street, I had no clue what to do. It was late at night, probably 11 o'clock. I had no, no idea what to do or who to call because there was no one there. There was a 7-Eleven or something down just the way, and so I walked down there, and I walked in, and, and, and I remembered in my wallet I had taken a number of a person at the church. Here's the only number I had. I could call my wife. She's in Kentucky. It's a long trip. I'd have froze to death. And so I called that number, and he said, oh, yes. He said, I remember you. And he said, yes. He said, I have a friend of mine. He said, he'll come and tow your car into the shop because we had no idea what was wrong with it. And he said, in fact, one of the people at our church, they live nearby where you're at. Where you're at. And he said, I'll call him, and I'm sure he'll be glad to come and pick you up. And so he called. Within an hour, they towed my car to the shop, and this man graciously came by. And he said, you just come and stay with me tonight. He was a retired major from the Air Force, Jim. Wonderful man went to his house and they fed me some good food and put me up in a nice warm bed for the night and I got up the next morning he gave me breakfast and we called the shop the the service station and said hey what's wrong and they said well basically this and this but you're good to go and I said well how much is it and you know you don't have a lot of money when you're starting out in the service if you've been there you know that and he said oh it's already been paid for just come and pick your car up fellowship makes a difference. Fellowship in the Lord makes a difference. A verse to back that up is Psalm 68, and I love this one. God sets the lonely into families. Because let me tell you, when you're away from your family, thousands of miles, you can get pretty lonely, if you know what I mean. And God sets you into these families. You're my family. And I love fellowshipping with you. Ecclesiastes, it says this, it says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Oh, you could take that, that verse and go a lot of different directions, but for surely one thing says we need to stick together. Togetherness. Bond ourselves together through Christ and Him alone. Can I have an amen? amen? 
1 Thessalonians chapter 3, it says, But Timothy, Timothy was, or has just now come to me, Paul says, from you, and, and brought this good news about your faith and your love. He has told us that always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we long to see you. I can see Paul greeting Timothy. He hasn't seen him in a while and he greets him and he's so happy. But I can see Paul almost just a minute. I got to pin something to my brothers and sisters there. I've got to just say thank you. I got to let you know that I think of you just as he said they're thinking of you. When someone looks at you, someone hasn't seen you in a long time and they say, oh man, we've missed you. Man, we just do it. You've been gone a long time. We sure have missed you. They say that's a great feeling. I don't know that I've ever had it before or not. But nonetheless, in that process, it is a good feeling, isn't it? Sure it is. Uh, just for fun, I remember la the last church that I was at when I stood before the congregation and I read my letter of resignation. I said that the Lord had called me to another church. The church stood and sang, what a friend we have in Jesus. <laughs> not really, that's not true because this is the only church that I've ever preached at. I was a youth minister before coming here, of course, for three years, but it's the first church I ever it was the pulpit minister. I'm spoiled. Just don't tell the elders, but I'm spoiled. But I love this place. When I look back at all the times, and I was thinking about this and again this week, and all the times that I spent with those teenagers that I was kind of in charge of, if you will, during that time that we spent there in Wichita Falls. And, you know, I can't tell you all the classes that we did, can't tell you all the devos we did, I can't tell you, I don't remember any of that, to tell you the truth. We did tons of that stuff. But what I do remember is those special times where we had fellowship together, just goofing off and, and playing, and sure we'd have prayer, and sure we'd have a little Devo in there, but it was building that bond of fellowship. My wife and I took 12 kids with our two small ones at the time, took them on a 3,000-mile mission trip around some states here. Now, that's an adventure in itself, and I wrote a chapter of that in a book I wrote, but nonetheless, I do remember it quite well. And I can't recall all the other things, but I'll tell you what, I can, I can recall, I can see us sitting in that van, me driving, and I can see myself looking in that rearview mirror even today, and I can see those kids where they were at and the times that we had together and that fellowship and how special it was. They're all grown now. They all have children of their own. And uh, just heard from one just recently, thankful they're strong in the church. They have three children of their own. They're almost grown. It's just amazing. Amazing the fellowship that you have. Times of fellowship build strong friendships. There is no doubt. The Apostle Paul had some pleasant memories at different churches that he established as well. And to Church of Philippi, he said in chapter 1, I thank God every time I remember you. What do people think of when they remember you? What do they think of when they remember you? Is the question, I think, to ask. To the church at Rome, he said, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. He doesn't leave anyone out. Because your faith is being reported all over the world. It goes out everywhere. We hear the work that you're doing. I think Janice had received an email a few weeks ago, and she had talked with someone in a different state, a good distance, and they had mentioned 
I've heard about the good work that's going on there. That does a hard good. So Paul isn't the only one that gets to say it. We get to say it. In 1 Thessalonians to the church of Thessalonica, he said, We continually remember you before our God and our Father. I love this verse. Listen to its power. Before our God and our Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope. You get to do a whole class on that. Because watch what it is. Your, your faith is what produces something. It produces the labor. And then that labor and doing that, it is prompted by what? Not a have to, but be loved to. I love to do that. I want to come in fellowship with you. I want to have that relationship with you out of this. And then he says right here, in endurance inspired by hope, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. He has promised us eternal life. Give me an amen. And in that hope, we do what we do because he says it's yours. Your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. Praise God for that. Another benefit is that of encouragement. I talk about encouragement a lot. I have many, many messages on it. I'll be shake and bake that one too much for some, but I like it because I like encouragement. Everyone needs it. We get it from each other. You see, someone once said, encouragement is the oxygen to the soul. Discouragement is the asthma to the soul. We've all been discouraged, haven't we? We've all had people get in your face and say, yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. And it's discouraged us from going on being what God has called us to be. Many people sit in the pews and never get involved with anything because someone discouraged them. I want to tell you if that's your case, get up, look up, and start serving God because they're the ones that has the problem. They are. God loves you, but He wants you. He wants to give you this encouragement. He wants to give you oxygen to your spiritual life. Give me an amen. In Romans chapter 1, he says, I long to see you so that I may impart you some spiritual gift to make you strong. So I want to I be able to give something out. And I know every week when I sit in my office and I try to pre prepare a message, I'm trying to give something of what God has given out to help you so that when you leave this place, you're stronger. Not because of what I've said, but what God has put through all of this. And here he says, to make you stronger. That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Listen to me. You encourage me by just showing up. You encourage me when we're doing a Bible class and you raise your hand and you speak up. You encourage me when I stand in the back and I walk around. You see me sometimes just walking around. I'm just a walker. I got to do that, I guess. And I'm excited about getting a chance to preach and scared at the same time and all that comes out. But I watch you. And some of you are just singing out and just it just, it just does my heart good. I bump some of you on this side. Probably get tired of me punching you in the shoulder when I come by, but I always bump them. If you want me to walk down the middle aisle, I'll do the same and start bumping some of you. But I get excited by seeing you, my family, here. You are a blessing, fellowship with each other. You encourage me, and hopefully I encourage you. This is not a one-way street. Some say, well, come and give me something to eat. I'm out of here. No. Welcome. Encourage. 
when Max stands at the back door and he opens the door and he hands you one of them flyers, can you help not be encouraged by that smile on that guy's face? Huh? And for those of you that come through this door, I challenge you to walk through that door on a Sunday morning and not get a smile this broad. Amen? That's beautiful. Or to see Mitchell standing at the front door back there and just like, happy to see you, man. That kid is just excited about you being here. Are you excited? Something to think about, isn't it? See, the right kind of fellowship can grow our faith. It grows us stronger. You see people grow weary, not so much because they have done too much. Some call that burnout. If you're on fire for the Lord, I don't think you'll ever burn out. Because God will see to it that you don't. If you're saying you're burning out, you're not doing something God's called you to do. Because God will give you the strength. If God has called you, He's given you an advance to be able to carry it out. Can I have an amen? It's because it's not about you. If it's a calling from God, God's placed it in there. It's already said. It's already designed for you to be able to accomplish what God said that you would be able to do. You also see people become weary, and a better word, I guess, for that is critical because they are not connected to the family by choice. We have dozens upon dozens of ministries. If you want to have fellowship, get plugged in. I encourage you to be a part of any of them and all of them that you want to be. I guess I would say this one. Some of you, some of us are really, some of you are really good at singing. You know all the notes, and you just sing beautifully. And you know who you are. And then some saying, well, you know what I'm saying. But nonetheless, God loves a cheerful giver. Give what you got. Sing out. Kyle loves that. But if there's one area that we want to encourage, is it probably altos maybe or where? Altos? We need, are you an alto singer? Are you a, really, are, not that you sing alto, but do you sing alto real well and read the music? If you do, let me tell you, God's given you that gift for a reason. And let me tell you, there's no better way to use that as a gift back to God than to be part of our praise team. And Kyle would just love to talk with you. There's something you can do, something you can be a part of. Burton Braley wrote these words, and I like it. He said, if you think praise is due him, now's the time to slip it to him. For he cannot read his tombstone when he is dead. Stand up a minute. I'm going to give you a hug. Love you. Love you too. My mom always told me growing up as a kid, after I got married, that she said, son, because, you, know, we, we, you know, people want to put flowers and graves, and that's fine. And I do on occasion. But that's not the emphasis that I, when I go back to visit with my mom and dad in the gravesite there in, in Goochtown, Kentucky. I just talk to him just like I'd be talking to you. My mom always told me, she said, son, if you're going to give me flowers, give them to me while I'm alive. And I will tell you, I sent my mom a lot of flowers. And Scott's House of Flowers can testify to that. They got that big sign, I paid for that. <laughs> I stopped making payments on it when my mother passed away. And she knows that. I wish I had it know the chance to give her flowers. I'd send them today. 
Somebody needs a flower today. Have you sent any? And it doesn't have to go across the street to Scott's. It's just a smile. It's just a hug. Just an encouraging word. It's just fellowship. Now let me close with this. The longer I attend church here at Western Hills, it's over 26 years now. Just unbelievable. I just... There's a danger. And let me tell you what that is. It's a danger that I might become too accustomed to the joy that I find at this place. There's a danger that I might find too much spirit-filledness in this place. And I take it for granted. Do you take it for granted? Sometimes the very best thing for me to do is when I'm on a trip is to visit another church when I'm out of town. And it's taking nothing from another church. Please understand that. And it might be a good church, a good, good church. And they may have good, good, great people even there. And the message undoubtedly will be better, no doubt. But, you know what I feel sometimes? I feel like this. It's not mine. It's not mine. It's not Western Hills. It's not home. It's not the same fellowship that I have. Oh, a few people might greet me and say, Welcome today, good to see you. But I miss your face. I miss your face. And yours as well. And sometimes I even find myself sitting there. Maybe announcements are going on. And I'm looking at my watch. And I'm thinking... I wonder which one, and I'll remember, oh yeah, it's Jim's week to give announcements, or it's Stan's week, month to give announcements, and I wonder what he's saying to the congregation. And I remember saying this on occasion many times, is when I was away, and Bill knows that I love him much, and I would always say, and Bill's probably standing behind this, and to me, the most important thing they would ever say is, remember, God loves you, and I love you too. So let me ask you, when is the last time that you praised God and thanked God for this church and the fellowship that we have together? It's easy to focus on something that rubs us a little sideways, but what do you praise God for here? Because here is where you are. I understand that everything may not be perfect in what you think should be or should not be, but this is our home. We are family. And we are blessed to have each other as we move along on this journey together. And I just thought somebody needed to hear that. In fact, me first. We are family. We truly need each other. We need friends. We need family. And yes, if you're visiting, we need you. We're asking you, if you're visiting, if you don't have a church home, make this your church home. 
allow us to befriend you and come into fellowship through Jesus Christ and become family with us. We asked you for that. And we need to ask more people that. We need to encourage each other. There is no doubt. We need to encourage on the spirits that we have, the spirit that moves within this place. If not, then you'll never experience the friendships and the fellowships that God has called us to have in family. When we have family reunions, I see some people that are kind of in my family. Anybody got that? Everybody got an Uncle Joe? Sorry, Joe and Joe, wherever you're at today. Uh, Barney or something. I don't think there's any Barneys here. So we got an Uncle Barney there. But you know what? He's still my uncle. He's still my family. And he may eat his potato salad a little weird, but I'm going to sit across from him and talk to him in a minute. Amen? All right. Got enough said on that one. Speaking of family, this is the last part. Martin Luther said these words, and I want you to listen closely, all of us. He said these words. When I look at me, I don't know how I can be saved. It's a powerful statement. When I look at me, I don't know how I can be saved. But when I look at Jesus, I don't know how I could be lost. Isn't that powerful? When is the last time you took a good look at Jesus? One way of seeing Jesus is in the eyes of of brothers and sisters in Christ. And perhaps even in that one that will reach out and give you that hug that you need, that will stand on the mound with you when you feel down and you feel a slip of an arm around the shoulder. And maybe perhaps that person in years to come will say that slip around, that arm around my shoulder saved my life. Listen to these words. I just love this. I read it again three or four times this week, and I'll try to read my best today because my eyes are really playing tricks on me. Dear friends, since God so loved us, give me an amen. amen. All right. We also ought to love one another. Give me another amen. amen. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in Him and He in us. He has given us His Spirit. Give me an amen. amen. And when we have seen, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know that they rely on the love of God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Oh, may the world, may our world that is lost see in us the love that God has placed in us, His Spirit. God sent His Son just for you. 
Someone here today, you've never accepted Jesus Christ. God sent his son just for you. Me? Yes, just for you. No one else on planet earth, you, he died for. Why? Because he loved you. Why? Because he wanted fellowship with you. And he wants to draw you in today to his fellowship. And that fellowship that we have is only through one thing. One. Jesus Christ. May we never forget that as we reach out and love each other as God has loved us. Maybe today you need a prayer, a prayer request, your concerns, whatever they are. Maybe you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe today you want to experience baptism. Whatever the need is that you have, I promise you this, at this church, because of the fellowship we have with each other, you will not come alone. Step out. Come forward. We love you. Let's stand and sing.